Lord, I want to pray for Phil uh, this morning. Thank you that you've um, you've given him a word to share with us. And uh, Lord, we want to hear what it is that you have to say. Lord, I want you to lift our vision today from where it has been to the place that you want it to be. Lord, um, when we hear from you, then our our vision and our gaze is averted to somewhere that it wouldn't naturally be. And Lord, we want to see what you want us to see. We want to see what you see because we want to be changed to be more and more like you. So we pray that as Phil preaches this morning, that we would be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm not quite sure you're going to call it a preach at the end, but we'll see where we go. Um, preaching is hard, you know. It's hard work to get up here and preach. And when I go home after I've preached on Sunday afternoon, I'm done for. I just kind of need to sleep and unwind. It really is hard work. So I want to encourage you. I say anything worth an amen or yes or something, then please do encourage me a little bit. Otherwise, I'm going to go home not only worn out, but depressed. <laughs> so really it helps me if you kind of, this bit of, kind of life in the congregation that you know i'm not speaking to a number of people who are just kind of dozing off and taking the opportunity to catch up on a bit of sleep they lost last night so last week uh we was looking at or i started by looking at uh what it is for us to be a kingdom of priests and for us to do that is to look at jesus and it says in one peter that he is that we are royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to God. And actually, what that looks like is that we're actually in Christ. We are in him, the high priest. We are in Christ. We have been saved, and it says in the beginning of Ephesians that we are in him, called and chosen to be in Christ. Therefore, his likeness is being put into us. It's our, part of our DNA now is to be like Jesus. It's not that we are separate from that. It's not he's somewhere superior, which he is, but actually we're made to be like him and brought into him. And so I want to pick that up a bit this morning, um, that our priesthood comes from him, not from ourselves. We're not self-appointed. We're appointed by God himself. We're appointed because of Jesus. Appointed by him. And that affects how we act, how we look, what we do. And that actually, when people meet us, they have an encounter with Jesus because he's in us. And it doesn't have to be a dramatic encounter. You think of the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus. It wasn't some supernatural, great miracle, healing, deliverance thing happened. No, actually, the encounter was that Jesus knew him and he knew his name. And it was enough... Some people knew him, and they knew him for what he was, not for who he was. And they're two different things. They knew him for him being a tax collector who was probably a swindler. But Jesus knew him for who he was. And he called him down by name. He had an encounter with Jesus, just in the fact that Jesus looked up, saw him, and said his name, and brought him down. And so too, God's looked at us in that very same way. It's not about what we do, it's about who we are, because Jesus knows who we are. And even in that, he's still called us to be priests. Still called us to be like him. 
And it's Jesus who's made the way for us. He's gone before us that we are trailblazers. We're behind him. We're following in his trail that he set for us that we can follow and be just like Jesus. We can do the same things as Jesus. We can be like him in every way as we allow him to work in our lives and changes. Be like him. And he says this in Hebrews 14 verse, uh, sorry, Hebrews 4 verse 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in Jesus. So that's why we need to lift our eyes to our high priest. That's why we look to him, because everything we need is in him. Because he's gone before, and he knows what we're going through. Whatever you're going through right now, you might think, God has no idea, God doesn't know where I am, what I'm going through. Does he even actually care? Yes, he does. Because it says in Scripture, he's been tested and tried in every way, just as we are. No different. No different at all. He's gone through it. So for each one of us, there's a God-given purpose to fulfill. God has a plan for every life. It may not be to stand up here and preach, and you'll be very thankful of that, I assure you. It may not be to travel to the ends of the earth, and you can be thankful of that, because long journeys on planes aren't fun. But it might be to reach your neighbour. It might be to be a light in the darkness where you work. It might be to go out on the streets locally here and pray for the sick or tell them about Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't keep who he was and what he was hidden away. He didn't hide his light. He didn't hide himself away from anything. He gave himself to the people because he loved them. And the key to all that Jesus is and what he did was his love for people. It was his compassion as he saw need. When was the last time you looked at a need around you and, had, and your heart was moved with compassion? When did that last happen? When did you last feel that? Such that it prompted you to, to act in some way. I have to say, I don't feel it enough. Done by you, I don't feel it enough. I don't feel that same heart of compassion sometimes. I see need around me and it, it's almost like we can become kind of not even awake to it as though it's not even happening around us, and yet Jesus did not turn anyone away. But he acted as he, out of love and compassion, he acted, and so are we. And the full purpose of God for us is that we are to be just like him on the earth doing what he did. It's as simple as that. And in Revelation 5.10, and there's kind of almost like a summing up of the age, in a sense. And there it says, You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth forever. See, God's plan is that ultimately we're going to reign on the earth. Ultimately, there's going to be a day 
when all things are subject to Jesus and we shall reign with him forever on the earth and we shall be the fulfilment of that kingdom of priests that God's already made us to be but yet not over everything like he is but one day we will be with him and that's God's plan for us we're all called to this we've all been chosen for this purpose not out of ourselves we believe in the priesthood of all believers every one of us it doesn't all have to come through one man thankfully it's not about the one man at the front doing everything and being everything to everybody it's impossible it's impossible that's why Jesus said I want disciples who will make disciples I want people who will follow me and go on to lead others to follow me and lead, me, lead them in the same way that I've demonstrated and led 12 disciples. It's God's plan. John, it says, the reason Jesus was revealed was to destroy the works of the evil one. He's now passed that baton onto us. That he destroyed it upon the cross and we bring that freedom from the cross into people's lives as we meet them. We demonstrate the kingdom. That's what we do. That's what we're here to do. And right across this area, God's given us a mandate to take the kingdom. He's given it into our hands. We need to take responsibility for it. Say with priesthood comes responsibility, and that is to take responsibility for that which God's placed in our hands, the place where God's placed us. And it's right here in the Peak District, right around this region. Our priestly call is first to worship God. And great time worship this morning, just able to express our praise, our worship, our adoration to Jesus. That's our highest first call, is to worship Jesus, to exalt him. And that's why we spend time week by week, giving ourselves in praise and worship Jesus, because it's the highest call. It's the highest call we have. It honours him, it brings his kingdom here, brings his presence near to us, and he works in our hearts and lives through it, and he speaks to us and encourages and strengthens us. Because we enter that place of his presence as we worship. It's our highest call. It says in the Old Testament, the Levites ministered before the Lord night and day. That's a lot of hours. Tiring. Imagine singing songs all day, every day. Worshipping Jesus all day, every day. One day, thankfully, we'll get to do it in glory. And we'll not run out of breath. We'll not run out of steam. We'll not get tired ten minutes in and sit down. We're giving ourselves. Fully caught up in the glory of God. I've been listening again recently to that song by a group called Mercy Me. that says, I can only imagine... I don't know if you know the song. You can only imagine what it would be like when you see him face to face. And it's just a great song and just stirs my heart of what it's going to be like one day when we see Jesus. How are we going to be caught up with him in glory? Second is call of priesthood is to minister to one another. It's to stand with one another, to bless one another, to strengthen, help, encourage Pray for, carry one another's burdens. It's the second part of our priestly call. Is that we want another. And that's why there's many scriptures in the Bible about what it is to one another. 
And that's what we believe in. That's why we are part of our uniqueness as New Frontiers family of churches is that we build on relationship and friendship, sharing lives together, sharing ministry together, sharing everything together, sharing food, sharing our homes, sharing what we have because it's part of the kingdom. And it models New Testament church in that they had all things in common and they shared together. And the third call is that we're to minister to those that don't yet know Jesus. And we're to bring that love and compassion to them. So the call of priesthood is threefold. First to God, second to one another, and thirdly to the lost who don't know Jesus. That's what we're called to. But to be able to do that, we need equipping, don't we? We need to be trained. We need to be taught. We need some equipping. So we're giving ourselves, certainly this term and into next term most likely, is that we want to give ourselves to training ourselves in what it is to be priests and kings, as the Bible says, that we want to be those that are equipped to go and do the things of the kingdom, whether it's to one another or whether it's to those outside the church. We want to be equipped. So we're going to look at the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to probably look at Ephesians 4 ministries and how they equip the church to do the things of the kingdom. We want to encourage ourselves and build ourselves up and strengthen ourselves that we can truly be the church God intended us to be. And we want to help to do that. Oh, thank you, that's helpful. I'll go on now, finished, I'm done. But it doesn't end there. Because there's one thing being trained, it's another thing doing. And there's always a working out. There's always getting out there and doing something. And so I've been praying a lot this week. I, was, I went home fairly frustrated last Sunday, I have to say. And um, you kind of work things through. And it's not about you, it's about me. And I have to work that through. And I was praying and seeking God. And for the first time, I think you know, I've carried something now for four or five years. In fact, since our 25th celebration year, anniversary celebration of being church in the peak, I've been carrying something that God spoke to me on that night and I've not felt at liberty to share it. And for various things, various reasons. And I've been praying a lot this week and bit by bit over the week, God has just confirmed that it's okay to share it. So I'm going to share it this morning. Our 25th celebration... God said to me, very specifically, the Moses years are over, the Joshua era is coming. I understand what that meant at the time. I didn't share it with anybody. I went away and I began to pray about it and say, okay, God, what does that mean? What does that look like? I don't fully understand what you're saying. But as I looked at Scripture and I read through and I read through kind of like a whole chunk of the Old Testament of Exodus into Deuteronomy through to Joshua. You look at the judges, you look at all the things that God had to do in the Old Testament to try and get his people to where he wanted them to be. And actually, for us, all they had to do was come and die. It was a lot more difficult in the Old Testament because they were rebellious people. And it was a difficult thing. And so he fetches the tribe of Israel out, the whole tribe, the 12 tribes of Israel, they come out of Egypt and they end up wandering around a desert for 40 years because of their rebellion, because of their unbelief. 
But God didn't give up on them. He provided their every need. They were all together in one place. He provided for all their need. Their shoes didn't wear out. Their clothes didn't wear out. They had food. They camped around the tabernacle. They had the pillar of fire by day, uh, by night. The cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. They had everything they needed. And it comes to the end and they, they get, they're getting towards the promised land and they've been moving along and they're getting there bit by bit. And this generation that ends up being the ones that are by the promised land are not the generation that came out of Egypt. And it says actually they'd all died, all, more or less all of them had died off by this point and it was a whole new generation. But it was time to take the land. It was time to go in and claim that for which God had promised. Their time had come. They weren't warriors, they weren't fighters, they had no clue what to do, they never had to fend for themselves, they never had to provide for themselves. That was all about to change. Every bit of it was going to change. Life as they knew it was going to be turned upside down. And to top it all, Moses dies. And he's not going in. He's not going in with them. And I looked at all that, and I looked at our 25 years of history, now 30, and I was trying to say, what are you saying, God? And it's not that those were wasted years. God used them for good. Both for them and for us, God's used our 30 years for good. There's a foundation being laid. Got things in place. But it's a day to go in. And it's a day to advance. And it's not about leadership, actually. It was never about leadership. And the very few people I shared this with in the very early days all started praying for the Joshua to come and lead this church. And I don't believe it was about the Joshua. I don't believe it's about the one-man leader. I believe it's about the era. It's about the culture. It's about what we're doing. It's about where we're going. Actually, it's interesting that the book of Joshua has very little to say about Joshua. Moses had lots of books, never one named after himself. Joshua gets a book named after him, but actually very little in it about him. Because it's all about the people taking the land. It's all about the people fulfilling God's plan and purpose for their lives. That's what the book of Joshua is about, not about Joshua. And what God's got for us is not about the leader about the one-man ministry, about the the guy who's carrying the vision. Actually, it's about us together. Hearing the commander of the Lord's army telling us this is where you're going. This is what you're doing. And I feel the first thing God's doing, and has already started, and we're in a journey of it, is God's changing the culture within the church. He's got to change us. And there's things of the past we've got to deal with. There's things that are hindering us from our past, from our past 30 years, just as it was for the children of Israel. As they came out, there was things they had to deal with. They weren't warriors. They didn't know how to fight. There was things they'd got to deal with. Things they'd got to let go of. They, they, they'd been longing for Egypt for a number of years to go back because it was what they knew. It was familiar. Even though it wasn't right, it wasn't God's best. They had to deal with the past. And there may be these things we've got to deal with from the past that we can go into the future. And I want to say, don't let the past hinder your future. 
Don't let the past things of this church, your experiences, your life here, hinder going in and taking the land and fulfilling the promise God's got for us. If you're new to us and fairly new to us over the last year, this may not be applicable to you. But for some of us that have been around, I've been here for virtually all those 30 years. And I had to go through this and work through this the end of last year. In fact, we did as elders. We had a day away together. And we had somebody to come and help us who really did challenge us, who said it like it was. And it wasn't comfortable, was it? It was really uncomfortable. But we needed that help. We needed it because we had to deal with it. Before we could even begin this year to pick up responsibility for leading you and helping you and leading you into the fullness of God's promise, we had to deal with our stuff. And we did. And it wasn't easy. And it doesn't mean to say there's not going to be things come up along the way. But we've made a good start. And it was really helpful. Maybe if you've been around a long time, there's things you've got to deal with to press on and take hold of that what God's got for us. And we want to help you do that. And part of this process is doing that. So what has God spoken to us? You see, the reason we exist here, even though we meet in Matlock, is not just for Matlock, it's to take the whole of the Peak District region. God's given a vision for a whole region, not just a town, not just a village, the whole of the peaks God has given into our hands. I want to say right now, there's no village, no community, no town in this area that's off limits to us. It's ours. We've got to learn how to take it. And we've got to follow Jesus as he's doing it. You might ask, why did we start and do something in the Hope Valley recently? Well, I want to tell you. Because it's a place where we've got no community, no Christian community there. It's a place we've not affected in any way whatsoever. We've got lots of Christian community in other areas of the Peters, but we've got nothing in the Hope Valley. That's one reason we want to start initiate something. We're not saying we're planting a church there. Not by any means. We're saying we want to establish, start to see some Christian community in an area where there is none, that we're involved with. The few churches that are there, it was interesting to hear the, the couple who lead the Methodist church said, we're responsible for eight churches in the Hope Valley. Don't bother coming to any of them. They're awful. That's what they said. They're awful places. Don't come. You see, we're called to change the expression of Christianity around the world. So we're not trying to change the establishment. We're actually bringing in the freshness of the kingdom. That's what we're doing in the Hope Valley. We're bringing in something fresh of the kingdom of God. And, and they were so grateful for us going. They expressed that, didn't they, Chris? How grateful they were to us being there. To us actually encouraging them. Bringing something. They feel very much on their own. They feel out of it. They, they're struggling along. Suddenly, we, we just offer. We say, this is what we're doing. Would, would you like to come and join us in this? And they're, they're there. Because we're called to change the expression of Christianity. We're called to change culture. Even Christian, established Christian culture. We can change it. We can blow it right out of the water. It can look totally different. And while it takes time, and while it's hard work, and it can be a bit uncomfortable and it can feel a little bit insecure when it's happening. It's got to happen. Because we're not going to take it as we are. It's not going to happen. 
just as we are, it's time to take it. So that's the second reason why we're doing it. And the third reason is that we want to get experienced and trained in doing it. And the only way you do it is go and do it. We can sit round tables all we like. We can have all the theory, but without the practice, without the experience, it doesn't count for much. See, Jesus taught on the go. Jesus taught on the job. And not only did he teach on the job, he threw him in the deep end and said, now you go and do it. I'm not going with you. I'm going to come behind you. But you go, you go to those villages, I'm going to go to them after you. He sent them with the Holy Spirit, though. So he was with them, really. Just not that as they knew it in the physical form. And that's the third reason why we're doing something. Because actually, we just want to get some practice and training. Some experience of doing this. That's why we went on the streets in Matlock. Because we want to get some experience and practice of doing something. Because we've not done it for so long. And it's a new day to step out. It's a new day to take land. And I want to encourage us. That's what we're about. So the Joshua area, what did that look like? What was the Joshua area? What was different about it? Well, they had to be warriors. And they didn't have to fight with sword. They fought with God. They fought with God. And to go on a, on a hike seven times around a walled city, seven, seven days, seven times, and then seven times on the last day, is a big hike. And what difference is that going to make? What's going to happen there? Well, if you're following the captain of the Lord's army, everything's going to change. So God might ask us to do some stupid things. In our, in our view, in our mind, we might be doing some crazy things. And I know some of you have got crazy ideas. I spend time with Susie, and Susie's got crazy ideas. It's great. Love it. I'm challenged by it. And that's what I need. I need some challenge. We need challenge, don't we? We need to affect things differently. We need to do things differently. We can't do same old, same old. It's boring. It doesn't work. Because it's a new era. And it's a new day. And it's not going back to what we've done before. It's not saying, well, that's worked in the past, so we'll do it in the future. And that's why we're reevaluating everything we do. Because it doesn't mean to say it's the right thing for the new era. And my question is, what's the fruit? It says, well, there's got to be fruit, on there? If we're in Christ, following Christ, there's got to be fruit. Fruit in our own lives, fruit in the church, growth in the church, expansion of the kingdom. It's all got to be there if we're doing what God's saying to do. So where is it? In all the things that we're doing, where's the fruit? That's what I'm looking for. If we're going to continue doing some of the things we're doing now as a church, I want to say, God, I want to see fruit. I want to see your blessing. I want to see your favour. I want to see that you're with us in this, because if you're with us in this, there's evidence that you are. There's evidence there that God's with us, and God's doing something. There was clear evidence in the Joshua era, because they took the whole of the land. And Joshua finishes with this statement that says, God fulfilled every good promise he made to us. At the end of my time in Church in the Peak, whenever that might be, I don't know, I want to look back and say God fulfilled every good promise he made. I want to see that. I want to see the fulfilment of those promises God's made to us. So our vision is 
that it's a new day, it's a new era, and we don't exactly know the detail, we don't know the way God's going to lead us, but we know things are changing, and it's time for change. And it's time for moving on. And it's a time for not doing the same old, same old. Good. So that's why we're doing sozo training. Because actually we want to help people get free. And we need to be free to get help others get free, don't we? We need to be equipped and trained, even if we don't need that kind of freedom, because we've already worked through stuff, that's great, but we still need to be trained how to do it with others. So I encourage you, if you're not signed up, get signed up, because this is part of us being equipped to do the things of the kingdom. It's not about us just putting some nice event on that's going to take up a Friday night and a Saturday. It means you're not going to be able to go shopping like you normally do. Actually, it's about us being equipped and ready to serve the region God's given us to take the kingdom to. That's what it's about. Our teaching series this, this term and into next is going to be about that. I've We've invited Adrian Horner. He's a prophetic guy. He did the prophetic tents. At uh, was one of the speakers in the prophetic tents at Catalyst Festival this year, and as it was the year before. He's one of the prophetic guys who sometimes you see on the on the stage at uh, during the festival when they give opportunities prophetic, along with a few others. He's one of the guys up there. Someone I've got to know over the last couple of years, friend of mine, as well, and. Uh, when I rang him, I mean, you don't get this very often, not when I ring people up. I rang him up and I said, Hi, Adrian, how are you doing? He said, Wow. I said, Phil, great to hear from you. He says, It's made my day. I don't say anything else. Just said, Well, that kind of warm reception. And then when I said, We'd like you to come to the peaks, he said, Let me know when. He's eager to come. So in January, he can't do till January, unfortunately, his diary's full. But in January, we're going to have Adrian Horner who's going to help us because we need to be stirred from outside. It's one thing having the prophets in the church. You know, a prophet in his hometown isn't received. Get a prophet from outside. That's what we need. We need stirring up. We need stirring up for what God's got for us. We need to be prepared in these days. So I want to stir you today that it's a new era. We don't need to ask the question, Who's the new lead elder? That may come. I'm not asking that question. I'm asking God, show us the way to be the Joshua generation. Show us the way to, that we can walk in the new era of the Joshua era. And what does that look like for us? How's that going to be worked out for us across the peaks? The other thing that God has very clearly said to us is that when we secure Matlock, we'll take the peaks. We're not on about building a great big thing here in Matlock. We're on about securing it and being a place from which we can send and we can send and we can send. Equipped, trained, ready people to take not only the Peak District. God talked to us about towns and cities around us. God talked about the nations and we are involved in nations. Very grateful, so privileged to be invited to India on the times I've been, to be invited back again next year to go to, back to Belgium as well and do a leaders' conference with the guys in Belgium. I'm just so privileged. It's part of what we are, though, as a church. God's going to open more doors. But from here, we reach not just this region, not just these towns and cities around us, but regions beyond. Oh, I think there's an apostolic sphere called that. 
not us. But anyway, God wants to take us on a journey. That's what I'm here to say. We're starting a new journey. We started it really, I guess, at the beginning of this year, but I feel almost more intense. God's saying, no, I'm, I'm racking it up a bit now. It's time to get on board. It's time now to give yourselves. It's time now. It's a new day. It's a new era. And God's trying, seeking and working to change the culture of this church. Starts with us. Starts with us. So get in a building. It's part of changing our culture. We've never had a building. We've been nomadics all these years. The thing about a new era is they took land. They took possession. It's just the start. They had to take Jericho before they took anything else. We've got to take Matlock before we take anything else. It's just part of the journey. There's a first place. There's a starting place. That's what God said. That's what we'll do. They soon quickly went on to take Ai. And then city after city. Very quickly. We secure here. Very quickly. We take, we take the next. And we take the next. So I want to encourage us. I want to encourage you. Get behind the vision. Not my vision. Not mine. It's not ours even corporately. It's ours. But we have to give ourselves. There's a call. What it is to be a royal priesthood in the, this region. What does that look like for us? What does that mean is going to have to change in my life? What has God got to do in me to make me more like that? Questions I've been asking myself as I've been pouring over this over the summer. Questions I've been asking myself. And as I kind of dug into this, it just took me on all kinds of different routes all over the place. And it's very difficult to hone in where we should be. But God's really helped me. And he's taught me along the way. Some home truths as well about me. Not comfortable to hear. But it's time. So I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us. Are you ready? Are you up for a new era? Well, great Carly. <laughs> Let's stand together, shall we? Phil had to bring that preach because the Lord spoke to him about it and um, we have had many elders meetings where we have held him by his coattails and said you're not preaching that yet, it's not the right I time. I haven't preached it yet, I've just got it out there. He's got it out there. <laughs> this is the best preach I've heard from Phil for ages. It was absolutely brilliant and it is just, I want you to know that we are 100% united in what Phil has said this morning. He had to preach it, but it's my heart, and it's Peter's heart. It's our heart. At the moment, we're what you've got, I'm afraid. So you have to just, you know, until, <laughs> until this great leader drops through the ceiling, parachuted in, then this is what you've got. But we are 100%. And we're going for God, and we want you to come with us. And it is all about this. We're going on an adventure. That's the way to look at it. It's going to be scary. You know, it's going to be difficult at times, but it is going to be amazing. 
and we're 100% behind it. And bless you, Phil. You can go home and have a nap this afternoon. I give you, <laughs> I give you my blessing for that. It was such a good preach. And I just felt, I just want you to know that we are 100% together on this. All right, we're going to go for God. Let's see what happens. The building is the first thing. It really is. We want to get that building. We want to, you know, get all the stuff going on there. And then let's see what God's going to do. It's just a start. It really is. Have you got a taste for adventure? Am I still on? Am I on this? Yeah. Okay. Let's pray. Thank you, God. It is always an adventure with you. Lord, it's not boring. It's not stale. It's not dead. It is an adventure with you, God. And I want to pray for every one of us, Lord, that we will sign up for an adventure. God, you will take us where you take us. Lord, whether it's up steep mountains, whether it's climbing cliff faces, whether it's down in valleys by living water, the streams of living water, green pastures, whether it's through dark places, God, I want to say I'm ready. And I'm desperate because I've had enough of same old, same old. I'm bored of church as it stands. I want something fresh and exciting. I want something that's going to take the land and not just play at being church. I want, I want to see 40 saved week by week in the Peak District, yes. not just when I go to India. Amen. I want a breakthrough, God. So I pray, God, will you take us on this journey? If you want to get on that journey, you just tell God. You don't need to tell me. You just tell God. If you want to get on that journey, we're going to sing. And then I, mean, I want to pray with people. If you've got something that you need to just deal with from the past, I want to help you do it, because you need help. You're not going to do it on your own. I'm sorry, it doesn't work like that. You're going to need some help. Um, just got a word here which uh, helps confirm some of uh, what's been said. Hello. Um, last year, uh, I think Samuel was only a few months old, so it was probably about last November. Um, I was still not very in a great place, and I went to see some friends I used to live with in Sydney. They live down Brighton Way. And I went to visit a church that... Um, he was preaching at and as I walked into the church um, a lady got very excited she said oh I just saw you in the car park and I had a prophetic word for you and she didn't realize I was coming into the church she thought I was a random just sort of walking in the street and um, she was very excited and she just said oh I don't know what's going on but God said for you to get excited because change is going to come into your church because at the time I was sort of like do what where do I belong do I stay here what's going on and she said change is coming and to get very very excited Thank you.